Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program. My guest today is Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Companies. And Bama is a company that's over 80 years old now. It was in the family business. And they make all of the fast food desserts and apple pies and now pizza dough for companies like McDonald's, like Walmart, Pizza Hut. And she's just an amazing CEO who's written many books. And one of them is called, which I think is the title of her whole philosophy, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And Paula's been on the show um, for years. And every time we come on, we talk about something different and exciting. And welcome, Paula. (laughs) Thank you very much, Patricia. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, it's really fun. I want to share something with the audience that I found. Um, This was actually in, I think it was in 2020, when I think you received an award for being the uh, CEO. Um, The Journal in Tulsa um, released their Power 25 issue, and you were ranked as one of Oklahoma's number one CEOs within the manufacturing industry. And then it talked about um, your three decades of leadership at the Tulsa-based Bama companies, and which included four facilities, with one in Poland, three in China, two in the UK. And, you know, you're saying that you're very proud and humbled uh, with your family, and, and absolutely, and that you started your, this company started um, with your grandmother, Alabama Bama Marshall, um, in 1937 on her kitchen table. And, um, and yes, again, it was 1927, yeah. 27, wow. And your products are shipped around the world, um, and you also do a lot of charitable work. You'll contribute to Food on the Move, Ronald McDonald House, YWCA, American Cancer Society, and many, many more. And I think the thing I want to note here, which I think is what has drawn me to you for so long, is your mission is people helping people be successful. And that's really what you do. So I want you to give, because I haven't really read your bio as thoroughly and, and your background in a while. So I want you to let people know, again, um, you know, more about you. So, well, thank you. Um, and I, I was also just recently inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. So Whoa. that was a fun one. So uh, people can go out to Oklahoma Hall of Fame website and, and uh, look at all the Oklahomans that have preceded me, uh, people like Garth Brooks and uh, our wow. former governor, Frank Keating, and uh, people that are, you know, from Oklahoma that are, are um, you know, picked by the committee. And and then, uh, you know, they, they have a vote and they select 10, 10 people every year. Mm-hmm. And so it was, a, you know, it was a really nice, we had a big dinner and a nice uh, mm-hmm. celebration. And I couldn't have done it without Matt Eaton's help. And so that mm-hmm. process is rigorous. There's a lot to go through. But there there's a video um, that you can that you can go out there and look at, uh, Patricia, of the actual presentation that night and uh, my little acceptance it. speech and all that kind of stuff. So Aww. that's kind of fun. And that, that, when was that? That's really fun. When <laughs> was that, that? That talks 
a lot about that chronicles a lot of you know what you know yeah. growing up in this family and and the business was the number one priority mm. um and you know that we all understood because uh, we all sat around the table at night and and talked you know uh about what was going on at the company and you know what was uh, dad working on and and a lot of times mm. it was you know he was working on stuff to take take the company into the next stratosphere, uh, which yeah. was to develop the product for McDonald's. So, you know, I've, uh, I've been fortunate. Um, I was the, the last child. I was the only girl and that I think, uh, soft spot in my dad's, um, heart, even mm-hmm. though he didn't treat me a lot differently than he did my brothers. He expected the same, level of commitment and you know when I got married started having kids it became you know it was like no nope, uh you're coming back to work you know I'll give you a couple mm. weeks off and you know mm. you're gonna get a babysitter and that, that's all there was to it so you know we didn't we really didn't uh have a lot of options but for me the fortunate thing for me and the blessing for me was that I loved the business Mm-hmm. Um, I loved being here. I loved working with McDonald's. I loved doing stuff, and I loved the the opportunities that that you know we've been afforded through our relationships mm-hmm. with them, um, yes. because they're global in nature and have you know um, restaurants all over the world, thirty five or forty thousand of them. And you're talking about countries. McDonald's, right? You're talking yes. about McDonald's. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opportunity this to work with them, you know, is is amazing. And well, I think <clears throat> even more amazing is the fact that that relationship has stayed since your father. So that's over fifty years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, we're, we're going that's on a, um, seventy years, almost sixty or seventy wow. years now. It's pretty crazy. Wow! Wow! Now, when did you there's, see there's this only award? A few other ones that are the only uh, supplier of something and. Uh, wow. We are the only pie supplier, so that that's a very unique position yes, to hold with such a big organization as that. Well, and I think that's what you talk about in your book is how do you do that, you know? And it's all about yeah. people, isn't it, Paula? It's all about relationships and people. It's absolutely, and it's it's about treating people the way you want to be treated. It's about being humble, respecting yeah. everyone's opinion, and. Um, you know, that's what I try to do every day. That's what my dad taught me, and that's what I try to do every day is, yeah. you know, yeah. listen to as many folks as I can and <clears throat> and yeah. uh, take in as many opinions and, and let's come to an agreement and let's move forward. Let's everybody, you know, go and yeah. <laughs> do what we, what, what gifts we were given by God. Let's mm-hmm. put those out there on the, you know, on the table and let's go, because uh, I, I surround myself with really smart people, so we've got food scientists, we've got people that have, you know, advanced degrees in food science, we've got, um, you know, very smart financial people, we've got guys who, you know, are Six Sigma black belts, which is a very wow. hard thing to achieve, we've, you know, lots of math skills, lots of, yeah. um, you know, cost-saving initiatives that can be driven by those guys and, you know, how they go about doing their business, and it's all... Uh, based on the Deming philosophy. Mm. So, you know, it, it, when you listen to people and you honor, you know, the things that um, are important to all of us um, and you try to 
you know, align yourself with, um, you know, with God and, and doing right things and not taking advantage of anyone. And, you know, that's, that's important. That's yeah. where the whole yes. rubber meets the road every single yeah. day. So yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. what we try to do. Yeah, I want to give a little history here, but Paula, when did you receive the award from the Hall of Fame in Oklahoma? Was it this year? Uh huh. November eighteenth. Yep. Oh, very recent. How wonderful! How wonderful! Yeah, I want to. Very cool. Yeah, I want to share this because I think this kind of gives the backstory here. This was in the. Um, this was actually in. I don't remember the, let's see, it was in in the paper, and it was The Life of Pi, Paula Marshall. It was last year in October, so it was actually very recent. And I, I just want to read some of this because I think it's, it's so interesting, the story. So the story mm-hmm. starts with your grandmother, Cornelia Alabama Marshall, at the dawn of the 1920s. She sold baked sweet potato pies at a drugstore in Dallas, Texas. Baking pies was her livelihood, and each and every slice was infused with passion. The response was so positive that Cornelia founded the Bama Pie Company in 1927. Okay, the story goes on, but the scores of people lined up around the block to get a piece of Cornelia's pies didn't know they were living on borrowed time. The Great Depression hit at the at decade's end, bringing mass unemployment and poverty. For many, one's livelihood became a way to stay alive. With her husband, Henry, out of work, Cornelia resolved to use her culinary skills to keep their five children afloat. Every day, Henry wrapped up a selection of his wife's baked goods, and sold them door-to-door around Dallas. To Cornelia and Henry, the Bama Pie Company was a matter of survival. To their granddaughter, Paula Marshall, who we are now talking to, now CEO of Bama Companies, their story is the American dream. And as you said, you know, it takes a village when you're a, a woman CEO. And for a woman to start a company at that time, what your grandmother did was really, un- was very uncommon. Right? Yes. So I mean, it's an amazing yes. story. And you've grown this That's company That's why my globally. dad used to sometimes call me Bama, too. Uh, in fact, when I got, um, oh, I think for my 21st birthday, he uh, bought me a car. It was a used car, but he bought me a car. And on the when I went outside to look at it, uh, on the license plate, it had Bama, too. So mm-hmm. for many, many years, uh, that was my license plate, Bama, too. So... That, that was something that he, he you know, uh, decided that I was, uh, you know, resembled her in determination and, and uh, oh. you know, um, and, and my actions, I guess, um, over the years that, you know, business was not something that I was afraid to do. It was not something that scared me. It was, you know, he always worried that it, it was a man's, you know, man's type world and, women aren't allowed in it and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't prescribe to that. I thought it was fun, you know, (laughs) but I didn't also come up during the depressions and, and, you know, had to, you know, be paid two cents for a product when he delivered it, you know? (laughs) Right. But, but, but still though, Paula today, I mean, when you started as a CEO in 1984, how many women CEOs were there and how many are there today? Well, I think that the recent statistics are, I mean, I can tell you, um, for many years, I was on, I was probably number 80 on the a list of women, uh, women's magazines used to do lists and stuff, 
And I was probably on the list, um, you know, number 80, 70, 80, whatever, <clears throat> in, out of 400. Now, that was mm. entrepreneurs. So that was entrepreneurial businesses, most of them private, not, you know, public company women presidents. So I knew at one time there were at least 400. But mm. those lists, you know, come and go and change. So what I, what I tended to track is what is the Fortune 100 or what is the Fortune 500, which is the largest publicly held right. companies. And I can tell you, I think when I, when I started, I was, you know, there were probably none or maybe one. And the Mary Kay's of the world, the Mary Kay and the, yeah. and the, you know, those those women, the women who owned the uh, newspaper in Washington, you know, there were, there were but the, those women were few and far between. So I, I think today it's, it's staggeringly this, close to the same, you know, like really? it's maybe less than 20 or less than 15. A publicly, women owning publicly owned companies. But yeah, the publicly traded companies, which is the Fortune 500 list, only has about 15 women on it. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Now, your company is yeah, not publicly tough. traded. It's tough for women, Patricia, right? because as you know, we have the child-rearing duties. We have the responsibility of, you know, most guys. I mean, I think it's getting better, but most guys are not doing laundry and, you know, right. helping keeping up with the chores and helping raise the kids. So if you're working and your husband's working, you almost have to have someone mm-hmm. come into the home to help you, yeah. you know, yeah. stay organized and stay, That's amazing. have everything, you know, pick up the kids at school, drop them, you know, that kind of, I mean, and it's a different life. I mean, my kids, you know, very rarely did I take them to school, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made sure that there was someone with them that they cared about, that they loved, that treated them well, and helped them do their homework and made sure that, you know, they were safe. And, and if there was something wrong, I would come home and we'd take care of it. But it was, you know, that was an absolute critical part of, you know, my world was having someone in my home helping me mm. with the things that have to go on in a, in a home mm. when you have kids. Yeah, well, it's different. And even today, it's the same. I mean, we still, as you said, women have more responsibilities. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, your company is is not publicly traded or is? No. No, we're not. We're family all the way. And um, I've been raising my kids with the understanding that the company's going to stay private. And I've set up trusts. And there's been all kinds of things that I've done to, you know, keep them from from doing that. And my son is the one that has the most interest in the company. And my daughter, who's an attorney, also has an interest. But um, they're going to be working together, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in in the future, you know, to to work through things with each other. But my son will be the one that will be here, you know, uh, day in and day out. And she'll do other things, and they'll come together monthly and talk about, you know, how things are going and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's what I hope is, you know, the future for them. Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, on that lovely note, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk to Paula A. Marshall, who is the 
owner, CEO, and founder of Bama Companies. I mean, it was actually founded on her grandmother's kitchen table in 1927, but uh, the company is now over 80 years old, and Paula has taken the helm since 1984, and it is a family-owned business. And we'll talk to her more about her book, Finding the Soul of Big Business, and we're going to talk about um, the company in terms of vision, and particularly with COVID now, how do you keep your vision alive, and how do you keep your employees motivated? And so we're we're going to talk more about that with Paula right after the break. You're listening to the Picturesque and Positive Women Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And we'll be back. And do log on to Facebook and go to Bama Paula A. Marshall and or go to Bama Companies and learn more. All right, everyone. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we, and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone we are back and we are talking to Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of Bama Companies, um, which now includes Bama Pie, Bama Foods, Bama Frozen Dough. And this company makes all the apple pies and fast food desserts from McDonald's, Walmart, many other fast food chains. And Paula's been on this program for years, and she inspires us with her wisdom and her real philosophy of inclusion where really people mean the most and I think that that's so important and the whole mission of Bama is about people helping people be successful so welcome back Paula thank you very much Patricia uh, all One right thing I forgot 
One thing yeah. I forgot to tell you is that yeah. Jim Stovall was also inducted that evening. Uh, and I'm sending you a picture of me and him at the Aww. ceremony. Oh. And, and, and uh, let's tell he, let's tell the listeners though who he is. You co-wrote a book with him called The Executive Entrepreneur. And you talked about being an executive. He talked about being an entrepreneur. And then you looked at how they're similar and how they're different. It's a fascinating book. Yes. Yes. And he is a a gentleman who went blind mm. uh when he was twenty nine. He was competing mm. Uh, you know, he was a weightlifter competing in the uh, Olympics, and he started losing his vision. And mm. when he got home, he literally lost. Went to see a doctor, and they they said, "No, you're going to be be blind for the rest of your life." Mm. So he um, locked himself in his room for months, and then decide, finally decided he couldn't do that anymore. And he started feeling his way around, and then he decided he'd set a goal to walk to the mailbox and back each day and learn his path around his house. And Mm. eventually, uh, someone suggested to him that he could make, you know, maybe make some money in the the broadcasting business if he would make, take films, like great old-time films, and uh, make them read so that they're all, um, you know, narrative, and he calls mm. it the, the the narrative network, and it, he now owns something like thirty thousand films, and they're mm. all for you can download the narrative network if you're blind, and mm. you can be read all these movies, and you can actually oh. sit there and hear, you know, hear the background and what's going on, but there's someone who overlays their voice and describes you know, the film, you know, yes. to the blind person. So That's it enables amazing. blind people to really be able to see and mm. and be able to, um, you know, go forth and, and have some entertainment. So he's he was recognized for his career in in broadcasting and also public speaking. He then started started uh, a public speaking tour, mm. and he would have to be taken to and from the stage, and people would just flock to him. And then he wrote a book called The Greatest uh, Significance, and it was about an inheritance that a man was going to leave to his his nephew mm-hmm. and because he didn't have any kids, and all the things he had to do to go through to get the inheritance. And mm-hmm. throughout the whole entire training process he was going through, he realized, he, the nephew realized, that it was not nothing was worth the relationship that he had with his uncle. No money, no, no, anything like that. So it, he called it the greatest significance. So I, I think, you know, if anyone listening to this would mm. want, want to read a wonderful book by Jim Stovall, that, mm. that would be it. That's amazing. Now, is that a fiction book? It was a fiction story. Yes. It was something that Jim made up. Wow. Hey, what an amazing talk about overcoming obstacles, Paula. And the book is really, really uh, yeah, and the book is unusual because what it does is it, it'll take a situation. I mean, actually, let me take a look at it because I've got it in front of me. And let's take a look at it because I think it's really interesting. Oh, our book, The Executive Entrepreneur. Yeah, he and I wrote that together. I know. I know. And, and what will happen is that it gives you the entrepreneurial takeaway and then it gives you the executive takeaway. 
so it's um it's it's really fascinating um and it's it every chapter talks about something different you know in terms uh-huh. of what can you take away like the promised land one chapter one chapter is is it really that simple you know I'm, I'm looking here to see if there's something that that I could share with the with the listeners about like the first meeting um it's it's just so yeah, and the difference between myself and Jim, as we discovered because we've become very good friends, the difference for us is that Jim started his company bootstrapped totally with credit cards and borrowing money from his family, which is how a lot of entrepreneurs start. But mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs somehow end up losing control of their company because they don't have what we call the executive management skills. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what I was, my take on it was that typically executive managers aren't good at starting up things, you know, like, so the skill of pursuing your idea and your dream is the same in both of us. But I started out with an already, you know, an already yeah. made up company that yes. had a big customer that I was extending. Now people have said to me many, many times over the years is, well, you could have screwed it up. You know, you could have run it into the ground. So it, your skills are, you know, probably the same as Jim's. It's just, it's just different. So what we concluded at the end of the book was that we're both really, um, it takes both types of skill sets right. for an entrepreneur to be successful because yes, you have to sense. eventually yeah. add these executive type leadership skills that Jim and I talk in the book, yeah. um, or you will lose your company. Yeah, and yeah but there's another who in- is inheriting a company or taking a job that has a lot bigger sphere can also make those same mistakes. So right. we were trying to point out that it's not different; it's just you have to apply different skills at different times. Right, but you need both you need both of those skills. But here's another yeah. side here's another side to that coin is people could also have said to you Paula, "Oh yeah, well it's easier for you because you you had you already had the client, you had the company." But what they don't realize is Yeah, people have said the, that to me many times over the years. Yes. Yeah, and what they realize is it doesn't just work by itself. Just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to keep it. Right, you got to work at it. But many people lose businesses that are handed to them, Patricia. Yes, <laughs> many people. And what people don't know is the backstory of how long I worked here, what That's all right. different jobs. Because my dad had a thing where he moved me around into different jobs all the time. He would come and get me, and I was all happy as a lark, you know, working in the putting the computer systems in and helping the company get automated after years of you know, ledger books and green eye shades, people standing around with pencils, you know. And I was happy doing that, and he came and got me one day and said, no, I I need you in sales. We're going to move you to a totally different. And I had no idea what I was doing. So when I do that with people today, I say, don't worry. I've been in the same boat. You'll figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. and it's part of a growing, it's part of a growth opportunity that we give people that, that don't know if but, they can do it or not, but eventually they figure it out. And that's what we're that, hoping that people do. But that's what made you successful. Had your father not done that, Paula, and just kept you doing one thing all the time, you may not have figured it all out and you may not have been as successful as you are. So he really did you a favor and he was really preparing you. Yes. 
Exactly. And I've tried to do that with my son, too, and my daughter, to move them around to different places so they get a different view, you know, so you always realize there's more than one view in an organization. There's a lot of different views. There's the operations view. There's the engineer's view. There's the finance view. There's, you know, and it's important to have all those people sitting with you when you're making any kind of big decisions, you know, it's, and not one voice takes over and is louder than the other one. All voices matter. You just have to sit and listen and mesh it into uh, one direction, you know. Let's go this direction. Everybody feels good about that. Right. Paula, has it been harder to do that, to get into that direction and to work with people since COVID? Has it, <clears throat> has it been harder, more difficult? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, it all happened so fast and it all hit so fast. We didn't really, I mean, I learned about this thing called Zoom overnight two years ago, about this time. It was in March, the second week of March. It was, it was absolutely nothing I had ever heard of before. And my CFO and I started talking. It's like, we're going to die if we have to do all this on conference calls. You know, like if we can't leave our house and we've got to talk to the plants and we've got to talk to people and we've got to, you know, keep yeah. up with what's going on and share yeah. the numbers and share successes and failures. We got to have some other thing behind, because remember five years ago, that's how people did it on conference calls. You never yeah. saw the face of anyone, you know, you were talking to, that's you just true. talked on conference calls. And we've well, we didn't. Well, we didn't have the visual calls, before. Now we now we have the visual. Aren't we lucky? I mean, you know, we're what lucky, if, what but if, it's still it's still not the same. I've realized that since we started coming back, you know, about a year ago, it's it's so much better to be with people than to be on a screen with a bunch of people on the screen. Because you don't know what distractions they have. You don't know what other things they're doing at the same time. You don't know. You know, it's like a, it's like a, um, you know, you don't, do you, are you really getting all of people? You know, are you really getting all of people? And I don't know. I don't know that you are. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I think for me, because when I'm working online all the time and remotely (laughs) in Zoom, I'm doing webinars and seminars, so I'm in a teaching capacity. Now, I I am getting interaction, but I I don't know. You know, these are people that I'm meeting this one time, and I don't know if everybody's getting it. You know, certainly a lot of people interact, but it's different because you're talking about, you know, working with the same people. And and working with them over and over. So mine's a little different right. that way. Right. Yeah. Right. That is yeah. different. Yep. You're right. Yeah. But well, you, you were know, reading. You were reading from the book a minute ago. And I think I interrupted you. No, that's okay. We've got a we've got a few minutes. I'm trying to find one that's easy to understand because there are so many entrepreneurial takeaways and so many executive takeaways, and so that's what I'm trying to look at here. Mm-hmm is, um, you know, is, is how to do this. Can you think of one where the two are different, like a specific one? Well, that's what I was saying earlier is that Jim and I, I think we came into the discussion of the book with the thought that everything would be very different. And as we sat at the table and we had, 
um, you know, my daughter Colleen actually wrote it, was sitting there with us because she was a journalism major and she was trying to do writing at the time. And we brought her in to, to do it. And she, um, she said, you know, I think you guys are saying the same thing. And she kept saying that a lot, you know, like, I think you guys are saying the same thing. <laughs> and finally, we really sat like kind of just like Jim, of course, is staring, you know, and thinking. And I'm sort of looking at him and I'm thinking, there's really not a lot of difference yeah. in yeah. Yeah, I found that. Yeah, and I found an example here that shows that. So in okay. the entrepreneurial, for him, Jim understands that while starting a business can certainly be difficult, growing a business is the hardest part. <laughs> Once the business begins to take off, it's important to use your resources wisely and to carefully evaluate every expense to be sure that you don't run through the funds too quickly. Deciding on how to use your hard-earned money is a critical factor. Now, that's in his entrepreneurial. Now, for you, Paula points out that when Bama became, began supplying products to McDonald's, they were already established with existing manufacturing facilities, and they had the legal support they needed to ensure their position. She says, don't enter into a deal that will require you to spend huge sums of money just to meet the requirements of the contract. That will leave you with little room for negotiation. So in a way, you're saying the same thing. You're, you're saying the yeah, same thing. Yes. Yeah. He's talking about, you know, making sure you evaluate and don't spend money foolishly. And I'm talking about where foolishly spending, which a lot of people do when they get angel investors and they get a, a, a batch of money that comes in, and they literally spend it before they actually get all the product off the ground. You know, they spend it on on things like marketing yeah. and, and yes. communication pieces yes. and hiring way too many people that don't know what they're doing and then they give bad service and then suddenly you've got customer issues. And so you got to, you know, to me it's about, um, you know, growing with what you have. Like if you get an influx of money from an angel investor, you, you, you've got to carve out a big bulk of that and put it off to the side and forget that you have it. Because you're going to need it down the road. But one of our flagship statements at Bama and one of our cardinal tenets here is that we don't bet the company under any circumstances. And that is, that is exactly what Jim is saying. No deal is so great that we have to bet the whole company on the success of, of that deal. Yeah. And that is something yeah. that I will never do. So we might set up something in another joint venture that, you know, maybe Bama backs that venture mm-hmm. for a period of time, mm-hmm. but then we will release the ties so that if something goes goes awry in that venture that we're not, you know, we're not pulling the whole, uh, the whole ship Come. down. Right. Wow, that's yeah, fascinating. All right, we're going to take another break, and when we come back in our last segment with Paula, we're going to talk more about... <laughs> you know, the team members and really being there for your people and what that really means. And when we're really there and we're listening, what does it mean to listen? And how do you solve problems? And how do you create win-wins that seem easy, but sometimes people are far apart in their their thinking. So how do you bring them together? So we're going to talk to Paula about that right after the break. My guest is Paula A. Marshall, and she's the CEO of Bama Industries, and they make all the apple pies and fast food desserts from big chains 
like McDonald's and Walmart. They've been in business over 80 years, started on her grandmother's kitchen table in 1927, and she has been the CEO since 1984. And she was just inducted in October into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. So it was wonderful. All right, stay tuned, folks. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join hosts Navanav every week for Good Morning Canada. Our home is Canada, but our message and reach is boldly global. Our focus is on the alternative perspective, the hidden dimension, and the expansive horizon. Ideas are designed to be challenged, perceptions shattered, and information balanced. We invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint, dare to be inquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun. Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest today is Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Industries. And they make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts for big companies like Walmart and uh, and also McDonald's, which they've been with for many, many years. They have companies in different parts of the world, plants, and they are based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the company's in its like 84th year. And Paula was just inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. So welcome back, Paula. Thank you All very right. much. All right. So let's talk about your favorite thing, <laughs> the thing that you're great at. The, the thing that's on the title of your book, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. What do you do when you've got, you got these people in your office, right, which, by the way, I have to tell the listeners, and I've told them before, when I went to Tulsa to visit your plant and to, and to conduct a webinar, a, a seminar, and I said to Matt, your assistant, I said, I want to see Paula's office. <laughs> and he said, there it is. And I looked around, and I said, I don't see it. Where is it? 
<laughs> he said, there it is. And I went, what? This looked like a living room. I mean, this had couches and chairs and a comp- I mean, it was like the most beautiful. And it did have a desk and pictures. And that's what Paula means. She doesn't, she meets people, you know, in alignment rather than sitting behind the desk and then, you know, in that power position. And it, it was, I actually took a picture. I said, Paula, is it okay if I take a picture of your office? I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and, but it's, it, it's amazing. So here's my question. When you're sitting around that beautiful office with the beautiful couches and the pillows, and you've got people who are on opposite ends how do you come to agreement, Paula? Well, I've actually been told that that's, that's probably one of my best skills is, you know, I, I, I try to find, you know, the areas where people agree on. And I, I think, you know, as you, if you've taken a negotiation class ever, if you've ever, uh, you know, had a desire to, that's one of the first things they're going to teach you is to try to put a circle and put the things in there that you agree on. Right. And then on the outside of the circle, write the things that you are disagreeing on. And most of the time, what you find is that people have more things that they agree on than they disagree on. Mm. So while, so while they're doing the exercise, the, the, their positions start to reduce their, their, compositions change, their, you know, level of their, their, their voice, maybe their color of their face changes. And mm-hmm. so you can see when people are dialing back and realizing that, you know, I really don't have, why am I putting so much emotion around this? And usually what you find is that people have, have uh, they're hurt or they're afraid um, mm-hmm. because, you know, one of the studies I've done is on, you know, what what is a soul? What is that? What is what is that? What does that mean even? And it's the energetic part of us that fills these physical bodies. So it it has no ability to take action unless it pumps through the physical body. And there's only two things. There's a positive charge and a negative charge. And the positive charge is I I this person is coming out of love. The other charge is this person's coming out of fear. Now, when you figure right. out what people are afraid of, it's usually kept down to one of two things. I'm going to be kicked out of the tribe and I'm going to be right. left alone, or right. I'm going to be humiliated in some fashion. Right. So for some, for some reason or for something that, that might have happened either with them in the particular issue they're dealing with now, or the thing that they, you know, maybe, maybe had a, a problem, you know, two years ago with that same person that never got resolved, or maybe it's not even this person at all, but it's something else that that this problem brings up in this person that maybe even takes them back to childhood. Or, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I always, I teach a lot of management classes here at Bama, and one of the things I always tell people is that, you know, when you're, when you get promoted into a leadership position, there's things that you don't even realize that you're, that you need to know. One is, if you've ever watched the movie Pink Panther, Patricia, it's, yeah. it's called the Pink Panther, is, is always looking for the clues. And so mm-hmm. I always point to that movie. I said, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. the clues, the clues. They're always looking for the clues. Okay. Yeah. So that's one skill you have to develop is almost becoming like a detective. The yeah. other the other skill that you must develop in yourself 
is being a junior psychologist. Right. Now, unless you want to go to school and become a real therapist, which most people don't, then you've got to go to enough classes of psychology that you understand what Deming used to call the human condition. And that is that just by being part of management, you're going to automatically scare people. They're going to be afraid of you. And you're going to have to, you know, realize that you will always be superior in their minds and even in your mind because, yes, you can always terminate that person. Mm -hmm. But it's better Mm -hmm. to be humble and get everyone on the same level. So when we do those circles and we put the things that we can agree on in the circle and we put the things that we don't agree on outside of the circle, it makes the temperature in the room go down. So now we can start talking about, okay, what is it that's really bothering you? You know, like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's, is it, so this guy talks to me like he talks down to me or he reminds me of, you know, someone who I used to work for that I, you know, I hated. And so we work through what's really causing it. So when I teach leadership classes, I always tell people, got to be the detective and you got to be a junior psychologist. Those are two mm-hmm. things that you have to learn. You must learn. It's a, it'll be impossible to be a good leader yeah. if you don't learn, learn that. Yeah, no, it's so important. Totally agree. But what you're saying is, it, it, I mean, what you're talking about is it's, it's down to those basic needs of I'm, I'm going to be disconnected Right or I'm going to be yes. uh, discredited. I'm going to be cut from the, the tribe. I'm right? going to connect. You know, I'm right. going to die alone. Right. Uh, right. I'm I'm going to you know be humiliated. There's really it comes down to, am Very I going basic. to die alone or am well, I going to be humiliated? You know. Right. That's and the basic, really right. Right. And the basic it's needs really are what comfort. Are basically right. Afraid of. Right. And, right. I mean, our basic needs are comfort and security hope we want to be recognized and like you said but i think what you're saying is if you can figure that out right and you can help people feel connected and safe then you can solve it isn't that what you're saying yes and i i've you know sometimes before i've had a difficult conversation with one with with probably someone who's going to be leaving the organization and i sit down and i'm trying to go through with them where did I lose faith in them? Where did I lose confidence in what they told me? Where, where, where are the steps that, you know, we got off the track with each other? And one thing I found that really makes a profound impact on people is when I say, I've, I've really lost faith in, in what you're telling me. I've lost faith in, you know, believing in you. And that really takes people down to the core of they it's 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 a hard lesson to learn that mm-hmm. you've lost someone's trust and that therefore it's maybe time for this particular you know job to end but when you go to your next one you know here's what i hope that you'll remember you know mm. is you know don't lie to your <laughs> don't lie to your boss um, you know, don't Paul, spend the company money inappropriately, you know, those kinds of Paula, things. Paula, can they ever, when you say something like that, can it ever be turned around or at that point, is it too late? Well, by that point, I've probably given at least three or four 
Oh, we've had lot. We've had three or four probably long discussions. We've had, I see. you know, multiple um, different assignments that, you know, where maybe um, things were misrepresented, and yeah. and it made a material impact on the company. So yeah. I mean, I you can't. Right. Those things are kind of the most unforgivable of sins, if you will. Yeah. So as a leader, if I don't take responsibility and don't take action on that kind of stuff, then what you what you start getting is the rest of the team starts breaking down because they that's all they talk about is mm-hmm. how there's so and so doing so and so and Paula won't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes right. it's because I don't know, sometimes it's because I haven't been made aware or I'm letting that person, you know, I'm pulling, I'm, we have enough rope that I'm letting that person kind of fall off the cliff, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With some discussions along the way, you know? So being a leader is being, I have so many people around here, Patricia, when I do these leadership classes, I talk about the fear of, of taking charge of a situation and Mm -hmm. having direct conversations with people. And this, this generation of people, and I'd say, you know, 99% of the people that I've worked with don't like telling people the bad news. They don't want to. Well, sure. And so, therefore, it becomes a problem, you know? Mm. And people yeah, go it, around talking about it, you know, spending time also, on it when it shouldn't be even be an issue. But also, Paula, it's how you say it too, correct? I mean, there are ways of saying things that people can hear without trying, without hurting them. You know, there are ways of you look at the issue rather than the person. I mean, they yes. have to learn from it, but there's certainly ways of saying it that can make a difference. Absolutely, and we we have we have this uh, you know uh, a little form, and we you can sit down with anybody, and we call it you know courageous conversations, and it's the hardest. Thing I, I will tell you, I have found more people that stick those things in their desk and never, never have mm-hmm. it. And then the problem gets so bad that then you have to terminate the person when if you, and then you go back and they pull that out and six months before they didn't have a courageous conversation with them, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, you, you, you have to, you have to discipline yourself with the rigor of in people helping people be successful, we call yes. it with caring and accountability. So you have to mix the right amount of caring with the right amount of uh, responsibility, you know, accountability, making sure that people know when they have messed up. Right. And those conversations are really, really hard to have. But it makes it a lot easier if I start the conversation by saying, you know, part of this this thing that happened was my fault, too. You know, yes. and I start a lot yes. of conversations like that. You know, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here blaming you for everything because part of this whole situation was my fault, too, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't involve myself enough. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't stop to listen and learn you know, about what was going on, and now it's too late. You know, your yeah. your time is up kind of thing. So, I, you know, I really always try to level the playing field with people and say, you know, and take my 
accountability along with it. Right. And I mean, if you can change it, if, if I'm sure you give them opportunities after you say that to make changes. But as you said, if after a certain point there were no changes made, then you have to, they have to go. And that's part of, that's part of loving someone, Patricia. That's why I say people helping people be successful with caring and accountability. To love, you can't, you cannot, you know, a lot of people love, love, they think love is giving some someone every single thing that they want. That's right. And as you know, that's the quickest way, that's the road to ruin, you mm-hmm. know. Someone who, as a child, has gotten every single thing they ever wanted and gotten their way all the time is not a very effective human being. Or they learn to manipulate. A lot of people like that become manipulators. Right. They, yes. and, and then, yeah. And, and so that, that's real. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. So um, we've got a couple minutes left. So I, I'd love to just get, so let me ask you this. I want you to think, don't tell me who it is, but I want you to think of people who've been in your company for a long time, who are just, they're just there. You, they're great. They've just been there. They're stable. What are the qualities those people have? that have kept them at Bama all those years? Just tell me the qualities. A sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, Very um, doggedly determined to Mm -hmm. see things through to a successful successful ending, and we celebrate our successes um, with happy, happy, happy times. Mm -hmm. And then we go on to the next one. And I think those are... Those are the biggest qualities is, is never giving up and having a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. And having the goal and the vision. Paul, it's always, I've interviewed you so many times, and it's so interesting <laughs> because every time it's different. Every we have time. a different thing we talk, we go to every time, don't we? I know. It's wonderful. Well, I, it, it, I love it. it. Well, you're one of my all-time role models. I will say that on the air. I say it to you. Um, Really, thank you. Thank you for being on the show all these years, and this was a great interview. (laughs) Thank you very much, Patricia. I love it. All right. All right. Stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, this wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can find Paula by going to Bama.com, or you can go to Bama on Facebook and look up Paula A. Marshall. Okay, And you can find me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com if you want to be on my newsletter list so you can see all these wonderful guests that come on my show. Um, please write to me. If you're looking to do your own podcast where you want to get your message out, since I've interviewed over 5,000 people in four decades, I know how to help people get their message out. Call me because I'd love to help you. And also, you can like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin. Raskin Resources. All right. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.